What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, May 16th, and we are talking about some stats from last year that may or may not matter. Jonathan Taylor scored the fewest fantasy points in PPR for a number one number one running back since 2015. Joe Burrow scored more than 19 fantasy points only five times in his last 12 games, including the playoffs. Dalvin Cook and Mike Williams were both terribly either inefficient or unlucky, however you want to look at it, near the goal line. We'll talk about what that means going into 2022. Adam, Dave, and Jamie here. I have no idea what to start the show with, so I'm just going to default to this. So you're with all the depressing stats. <laughs> I don't know if I have any good ones. Are they all bad? No, I have some good <laughs> ones. I have some good ones. Uh, I'm going to start with this. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? The Buffalo Bills. I mean, Tom Brady didn't come back to watch it again. Brady? Okay. Bucks? Bucks over Bills? Bucks over Bills? Do you want to give it like a pick? Uh, I'll say Bucks over Chiefs. I really haven't thought about this. I know. So. Let's go with Buffalo over the Chicago Bears. <laughs> okay. It could happen. It could. Yeah. Big no Rich can. strike, baby. Rich strike. No <laughs> Rich strike. That's awesome. All right. So let's do some quick news and notes here, and then we'll get into the stats that may or may not matter. Jerry Judy, last week, I didn't talk about this on our schedule show, but it happened just before the schedule came out. Jerry Judy was arrested, charged with second-degree criminal tampering with a domestic violence enhancer. Any change in your rankings here uh, based on this, guys, with Jerry Judy? No, I don't think this is going to impact his football season. Okay. Uh, The Saints signed Jarvis Landry. All right, Jamie, give me the first word here. What does this mean for the Saints, for Landry, for Michael Thomas, for Chris Olave? Uh, It's great for Jameis Winston. This is a very nice-looking receiving core that the Saints are putting together here if everybody's healthy. So I like that for him. I don't love it for the receivers because I I think you're going to see them sort of cannibalize each other a little bit. Um, So I downgraded Michael Thomas even more. Uh, Still a number two receiver, but closer to 25 than he was to 15, which is where I started. We did a draft uh, last week um, or two weeks ago. Um, Olave, I dropped down a couple spots and Landry actually ranked him. So uh, he's third for me, but um, the other two dropped a, a little bit based on Landry joining the fold. Dave, what do you think? 
I think Landry at this point of his career is more of a tight end than a wide receiver. Short area target, um, someone for Jameis to check down to. How often does Jameis check down? One of the complaints we had about Jameis last year was that he didn't throw to the running back enough. And thinking back over his time in Tampa, I remember him airing it out and looking further downfield. So I haven't made the same type of switch that Jamie's made yet with Thomas or Olave. And I'm not particularly interested in drafting Jarvis Landry either. Okay. By the way, Michael Thomas, if you're wondering, well, Jarvis Landry's a slot receiver. Michael Thomas, he gets labeled as a slot receiver. He really isn't. 2019, played 25% of his snaps in the slot, 75% basically out wide. And similar numbers, I think even more out wide in 2020 and didn't play in 2021. Uh, so. There is one other wrinkle here. Okay. That it's possible that Michael Thomas isn't ready. And the Saints are realizing we better have a plan in place in case Michael Thomas's ankle is still giving him problems. Remember, there was the report, of, I don't know, a week or two ago, that there were still, quote, hurdles for him to clear. And so if he's not ready, then that changes this entire dynamic completely, and it does put Jarvis Landry significantly on the fantasy radar. And just to be clear, you guys do like Olave better than Landry. Yes. Yes. Okay. Significant. Uh, the Falcons. I did downgrade Kamara too. I put him in round two. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, right. You think about it, they just have not had anybody to throw to other than Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. So it's a different look now, and obviously a different quarterback. And and it is another short area target. And if Jameis was already, if it's gonna, I don't know. Can Jameis be taught to check down? And Jamie, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. If there was a slot receiver in Tampa that did benefit a lot. From from James Winston. I know tight ends did a lot. Godwin. For Godwin a year. really a slot guy there for the most right. part. He, he kind of moved in and out. Right. Yeah. Right. Not a true well, slot. I just I don't know. I I think that Jarvis is going to have a hard time picking up a lot of targets from game to game. Certainly not like what he had in Cleveland. But he could take work away from Camara if Camara's running. You know, say a wheel route or just a flare route out into the flat. Jameis doesn't look there. He's looking further downfield. Technically, Landry would be further downfield than Camaro would. So that's one that makes some sense. That's one that I probably didn't need. That's one I need to think about a little bit more. So actually, Chris Godwin in 2019, that was his breakout year where he was the number two receiver in fantasy behind only Michael Thomas. He was in the slot uh, 55% of the time, something like that. Okay. Maybe maybe more. Um, you have an A dot on him? Yes, that was going to look that up too. His A dot in two, in 2019 was 10.4, which is definitely going to be higher than Jarvis Landry. It's also Bruce. Yeah, too. different type of slot receiver, but he was a slot receiver and finished as the number two wide receiver in fantasy that year and missed two games also. Played just 14 games, had a huge season, 1,333 yards and how many touchdowns? Nine touchdowns that year in 2019 with Jameis. And he didn't finish this season. Right. Uh, the Falcons acquired Brian Edwards in a seventh-round pick from the Raiders for a fifth-round pick. Does this matter? Wide receiver Brian Edwards to the Falcons. I like it for both sides. I mean, look, Brian Edwards is going to get phased out by the Raiders, and so at least this gives him a chance. And give the Falcons credit. You know, I mean, much like the Bears, they're you know scraping the bottom of the barrel for whatever they can find to put opposite their you know top guys. You know, for what it's worth, and so um, you know this gives you know, Edwards an opportunity to prove himself. I don't think it should necessarily, you know, for the people that have been waiting for Brian Edwards, this is going to be the, the the reason why he becomes a fantasy relevant guy, but it gives him a chance to be that way. So 
you know, as the season unfolds, he could be somebody that we're talking about off the waiver wire. Um, and hopefully he takes advantage of the situation and, and, and the Falcons use him the right way. Definitely. We've seen flashes from him. And this is, I believe, the fourth or fifth pass catcher that Atlanta has. Certainly they've acquired in the last two years. That's been well over 6-1 and physical and big. And they're, they're just putting a bunch of power forwards on the field. Mm. And it's going to be interesting to see if this pays off. For Atlanta, but clearly they're putting big bodies in at wide receiver and tight end with Pitts. Yeah, I got something to say. There's also history with Mariota too. They just played together. Oh, true. Fair point. I have something to say about power forwards in a little bit. Uh, the Raiders, by the way, signed Keelan Cole. But would you rather have now Raiders and Saints news? Would you rather have Alvin Kamara or Devonte Adams? Still Kamara. I think Kamara. Okay. Rob Gronkowski remains undecided, according to the Tampa Bay Times. Anybody buying that? Mm, no. He doesn't have to do anything now. So, right. you know, just wait it out. You know, I think, you know, the, if you're a contender in your dynasty league and you have a hole at tight end, this is a good opportunity to, you know, see if you can acquire him for a third-round pick or something, you know, relatively cheap in your rookie draft. If you are... Not a contender. You should be looking to sell him for probably a second round pick to somebody that needs a tight end. All right. Uh, the Dolphins are saying they're going to let their running backs compete. So they've got Mostert, they've got Michelle, they've got Edmonds, plus, you know, some of the guys we saw last year. So, you know, if who's the best one to draft right now? Mostert, Edmonds, or, or Michelle? I'm assuming Michelle is going to go last in that group. Dave, who's the best Dolphins running back to draft you're drafting right now? If I had to draft one of them, it would be Edmonds because I think he's the one that's best uh, for a role in that offense is the passing downs running back. I don't think Sony can do that role very well. I don't think Moster can do that role very well. He could in a pinch if they had to. But he's going to work in, in you know, second and long, third downs, contender for 50 catches if he stays healthy, dark horse to be the main back there. I think they're probably just going to throw them all on the field and just see who gets hot from week to week. Sounds they're great. Not overuse any one of them. Sounds awesome for fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a nightmare for fantasy, but the stability of the role for Edmonds and the likelihood that they don't have anybody that really takes that role away from him, at least nobody who's like significant, makes him the most appealing of the three. It's just it's it's a weird situation because Tua has not thrown to his running backs very much, and the 49ers haven't thrown to their rushing downs guy very much. Not even a pass catching running back. It's mostly been Kyle Juszczyk at the fullback position. So, you know, it's just, it's not, I think, uh, a scenario where you're going to see Chase Edmonds. Okay. He'll be 50 catches. I just don't see that happening based on what we've seen from two and if Mike McDaniel runs the same system. So if you want to just adopt the 49ers playbook for fantasy and you want someone in this backfield, it's always kind of been the last few seasons at least based on how the leading rusher has gone take the one who's last and so with one of your last picks as you said adam sony michelle will probably be sitting there it could be Mostert sitting there one of those two Edmonds will definitely go first um just take a flyer on that guy and see what happens and i and i also think that we're going to see one of i hope it's miles gaskin but one of gaskin or savan Ahmed get cut by the dolphins and that guy hopefully get a chance to maybe be a contributor to a backfield. So if you have one of those guys in Dynasty, maybe hold on to them while you're going through your roster cuts to make room for your rookie picks. Uh, even though it seems crowded right now, they could end up on another team and have an opportunity to play. Okay, the Dolphins also signed edge rusher Melvin Ingram. Love and, that move for them. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. More importantly, you mentioned power forwards. I mean, what a what a terrible NBA playoffs, right? Just awful. Well, the playoffs have been amazing. The playoffs have been amazing. What's been amazing? Yeah. That I there have been so okay. many non-competitive games. The Celtics Bucks series was amazing until Game Seven. I, I mean, it was it was very good, and tough, and close game. Grizzlies Wolves was awesome. Yeah, yes. So yeah, okay, but we've also like Middleton's been out, Morant's been. How many how many star players have been injured? Uh, I don't know. I think this this. I mean, you been, mentioned two. There have been more than that. You I know there's Robert been, Williams. I mean, is he that big? No, he's not a star, but it's a big injury. Uh, oh, uh, Booker missed some time, right? Booker got hurt. Uh, Booker missed time in the series that they won. Yeah, that they won. Dante's missed. But I want to watch uh, Devin Booker. Who? Luca. Luca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think these playoffs. Uh, the truth is, I mean, the NHL playoffs have been about ten times better than the than the NBA playoffs. Well, and now that you're a Heat fan and a Panthers fan, how do you feel about the schedules a, overlapping? I am a Heat fan right now. Um, I mean, I'm all about the Panthers. I don't care about the Heat, but yeah, my Panthers tomorrow night against the Lightning. In-state rival. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be very competitive. Really looking forward to it. Why didn't you uh, post a picture of yourself the last time the Panthers won the playoff series? Oh, in 1996. It was an embryo. <laughs> I was into that man. I was. I remember that series really well. I think they lost the last game, the clincher to, to the Avalanche in three overtimes. Do you guys remember that? I don't remember when they lost. I do remember my best friend in high school. Uh, my best friend growing up. He moved to Denver. Uh, I think it was 92. And so my second time going to visit him out there, I remember getting off the plane in Denver from Florida and just seeing all the avalanche sign and Panthers suck and all stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. Did that go to three overtimes? Why doesn't it tell me? No one cares. Yeah, no one does care, right? You're the rat. I'm pretty sure it went to three overtimes. Okay. Let's talk about our stats. First, some uh, an announcement. This Thursday, we got a little Dynasty talk with tight ends. We also have a mailbag show. So give us your Apple podcast questions. Leave us a five-star review with a question. We'd appreciate it. Uh, and we'll read it on the show. And you can listen to Fantasy Football Today on your smart speakers. Simply say, Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Or, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And here are some stats. Do they matter? I don't know that I want to start with the Jonathan Taylor one. It doesn't I have a question if it matters. Okay. You didn't reply to the tweet I sent you. Oh, what a stupid tweet. <laughs> All right, so what is it? Argyle from Die Hard said it was a Christmas movie? That's correct. Jamie, if we spent like 45 minutes interviewing the guy who wrote Die Hard and he said it was a Christmas movie and that doesn't matter to me, then I don't care that Argyle thinks it's a Christmas movie. He's named after a sweater. <laughs> It was a fun, fun little read there. I didn't read it. It was good. His experience. Yeah. yeah was, he's a great character. Uh, all right. Let's start with. Uh, all right. Let's really do. catapulted his career. Let's do Jonathan Taylor first. Does this mean anything to you? Jonathan Taylor scored the fewest PPR fantasy points for a number one running back since 2015. And that was with an extra game. In PPR, he scored 22.2 fantasy points per game. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, that's not what you see a lot of times from the number one running back over over the last six years per game, 22.2 fantasy points per game would have made him RB three, RB three, RB six, RB two, RB four. And last year he's actually RB two per game behind Derrick Henry. So usually RB two or RB three, but 
I don't know. Is that, that you could, this can be quick. This could be a quick, no quick, get whatever. Does it matter what to was you Henry that two years ago, what was Henry two years ago? Yeah. He was RB four in PPR two years ago with a 2000 yard season. Uh, I don't know. I can get you the points per game if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Okay. Give me a minute. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. I think again, you, you kind of mentioned it, you know, if, if you're drafting him one and he finishes six, but it's like six by, you know, four or five points per game, then you're pretty disappointed. If he finishes third and it's, you know, a point or two per game off, at least, you know, you're getting your return on investment, you know? So that's, that's the hope, you know, you don't want him clearly to miss time due to injury. You don't want him to, you know, fall flat on his face. He's still young enough. You know, you don't have to worry about some of these, you know, red flags that we typically see for these older running backs. When I say older, you know, it's starting to go from 30 to 27. Uh, when we start to see these guys, you know, start to break down a little bit. So, um, you know, having just spoke to him, uh, spoke to his coaches, you know, he's, you know, seemingly saying and doing all the right things to have a repeat performance. He loves Matt Ryan. He loves the situation that's that, you know, the Colts have in front of them um, with the quarterback upgrade and the offense upgrade. So, uh, you know, while it's not the ideal year in terms of points per game that he's coming off of, that you, you know, look for him to stay in that range of a, you know, um, record-breaking season, it's good enough, I think, to trust that he's going to still finish at a, at a high enough clip that you you should take him number one. Okay. Derrick Henry, by the way, was 20.9 fantasy points per game in PPR in 2020. Taylor wow. was 22.2 last season. Wow. Great season. And 18 rushing touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns. Um, yeah, so. 40 if, catches, Adam. 40 catches, not bad. That's the concern, though, to be honest with you, because, you know, they keep saying he said it. The coaches told me this. Naheem Hines is going to be on the field a lot more. And Matt Ryan, we know, is going to check down. The hope is that he checks down to both of them. You know, so um, I don't think he's going from 40 to 15 or 40 to 20. But, you know, five catches to 10 catches could be a problem if that's the case. Do his carries go down then as well? If he's not on the field as much, then he might not get as much work as he did last year. Certainly can. You know, when, when I, what I asked them was, him and and their offense coordinator, you know, when the MVP talk started to, you know, matriculate a little bit and, and you heard that he had a shot, you know, was it, okay, we got to feed him more and ride him? Uh, was it just part of the offense and the nature of how your your team was operating with Carson struggling? You know, what was the the mindset there? And they were like, obviously, you know, we wanted to make sure that he had the opportunity to win it, but we had to make sure we were doing it in the course of trying to win games. Uh, clearly, you know, until the end of the season, they were, you know, looking like a playoff or actually the end of the season, you know, as the season was unfolding, they were looking like a playoff team. And then, you know, what happened in week, week 18. Um, so, you know, they, they certainly said, and, and, you know, they said it's not a focal point of what we're trying to do this year, but if it's in the realm of possibility, they're going to give him an opportunity to try to win it again. So I, I don't think that means they're going to take him off the field for significant stretches. And I think we're gonna see a lot of them playing together, him and Nike minds. All right. Damian Harris versus Ramondre Stevenson. This is our second stat. So, you know, I, I gave you guys a stat about their explosive plays. They both averaged 4.6 yards per carry, but Damian Harris had eight carries of 20-plus yards. Ramondre Stevenson had one, and it was 21 yards. That was his longest run. Now, he had fewer carries. He had about 70 fewer carries, but that doesn't explain the gap. Eight carries for Damian Harris that went for 20 or more yards, only one for Stevenson, and a long of 21 is bad. And that's, I mean, that kind of looks like the kind of runner that Stevenson is. He's 230 pounds. He's a bruiser. Not going to break off big runs. So that's a big plus for Stevens, for Harris. However, we use a site called True Media for a lot of our stats. They have a stat called explosive runs, which they define as 12 or more yards. 
And if you look at the percentage of those runs, Ramondre Stevenson was actually better than Harris. He had a higher percentage of 12-plus yard runs than Harris. So I don't know what that means. He must have had a lot of runs that were between 12 and 20 yards. Um, so, Dave, that you know, you talk— What would you rather have? What, what do you mean? Which player or which profile? No, which which type of runs? More 20 yard, 20 plus yard runs or more 12 to 14 yard runs? I mean, obviously, you... obviously the answer would be 20, but I don't think that's the way you were phrasing it. Yeah, uh, okay. So would you rather have money? How many did Harris have? Eight. So would you rather have eight runs of 20 plus yards? Or let's say, do you know the number of 12 to 20 yard runs? Mm, no, but I can get it. So let's just say it's 15. Let's or double it. Well, the thing is, they, they had kind of a... I would rather have the home run hitter. Same. What about you? Because 20-plus yard runs also could include a 50-yard run. Didn't he have like a 90-yard yeah. run? Yeah, no, 62, 64, something like that. Okay, still enormous. He's not, he's not like that kind of run. He's more like a 35-yard run kind of guy, Damian Harris. I mean, that one run against the Bills, I think we all kind of remember it was just kind of silly. But yeah, um, sure. But but Stevenson's not going to do that. And the reason why I bring this up is that the, maybe the more important stat is after Harris's first injury, which came in the Carolina game in week nine, they played five games together, including the playoffs, where neither left with an injury. So they played five games where they basically, where they both were healthy and stayed healthy. And they had basically the same amount of carries and there was a it was about 10 per game. I think Harris had 50 and Stevenson had 52. So I mean it it was a very very even split. So if you're trying to figure out hey who's better, who deserves more work, who's going to be on the field more because otherwise you've got two guys getting 10 carries a game, very few catches and that stinks for fantasy. So Dave, what's your read on the, on all of those stats for the Patriots running backs? I think they're similarly talented. They're both physical interior type runners that can grind and, and break long runs. Harris just has been the one that's broken more of them. He's been in the league a little bit longer. We've seen it from him. I also think that he's the preferred option on downs of three or fewer yards. He's played 60 such snaps. He's converted almost 80% of those opportunities into first downs or touchdowns and 73% of his goal to go carries have resulted in touchdowns. Stevenson has seen about half as many of those snaps. His conversion rate is still pretty close, 68% overall, 60% on goal-to-go carries. Here's the other point that I wanted to make. I didn't make it on FFT and 5. I'll make it now. Four of Stevenson's five rushing touchdowns came in special circumstances last year. Harris didn't play when Stevenson scored twice on the Browns. Harris was resting on the bench when Stevenson scored twice in a blowout against the Jaguars in Week 17. So opportunities were there for Stevenson when Harris wasn't needed or wasn't available. I think Harris is their guy who on high value opportunities. That's why that that's the main reason why you're going to take him first. I'm not opposed to taking both of them, but I, I think you're kind of opening yourself up for a headache if you do, because it is Patriots running backs from week to week. If you get Harris at a good value, let's call it round six or later, you should be happy. He's a probably more of a borderline number two, number three running back. But Stevenson's got value too, and you're going to get him a couple of rounds after that. And if Harris goes down, Stevenson should get the lead work. I think, you know, the thing we got to worry about is they did this without James White or without somebody significant in that role because Brandon Bolden's not the same player 
that I think James White is when he's right or what Pierre Strong might be, who they added as well, and could also do some similar things to what these two guys can do. Um, but this offense should be better. I mean, Mac Jones, year two, you know, hopefully going through a year of the offseason should be better. The additions that they made, you know, Devontae Parker specifically, you know, that should be something that they add. They add more speed, Tyquan Thornton, you know, second round pick. Um, you know, we'll see if the offensive line is better, you know, with some of the additions that they made or the tweaks that they made. Uh, there's a coordinator change, you know, so factor that in, you know, is it going to be the same offense or is it going to be something somewhat different, some new wrinkles? You know, we just don't know. So I think, you know, what Dave said about Harris is how you approach it. You know, I think we've seen in a few of our drafts that he goes a little bit too soon for our liking. And he's clearly very format specific. You know, non-PPR, half PPR is where he's going to benefit. Full PPR, he's going to lose a little bit. And so, you know, you're banking on a guy scoring 10 plus touchdowns, which is something you never want to bank on. Because if there is regression from the touchdown standpoint, then the other numbers are just going to look ugly. So he's he's safer as a flex. He's safer as if you, you know, go zero RB or, you know, however you build your team. You don't want to rely on him necessarily as a week-in, week-out starter per se if you don't have to. But can still bring some some good value if this offense does improve and he gets those high-level touches, specifically at the goal line. Adam, just one quick thing. I, I think the James White point could be significant. But last year, Harris and Stevenson combined to play 15 snaps on third down with four plus yards to go. Mm. So those are passing down situations for sure. They weren't on the field then. I know they're not going to be on the field when James White plays. So I wouldn't necessarily look at that as a, as a big drawback that James White will be back. And as for Pierre Strong, I, I think the talent is good. I think he's got a lot of upside. It's rare to see a rookie running back have a big role in the Patriots offense. Damian Harris scored 15 touchdowns last year. Per game, he finished as RB12 in non-PPR, RB15 in half PPR, and RB19 in full PPR. That was per game. And I just thought those numbers were pretty interesting. But the scary one is really that they had, yeah, 50 carries in the last five games that they played together without injury for Harris and 52 for Stevenson. And that's a rookie running back, too. That was a rookie running back, yeah, who didn't get the work until Harris got hurt. In fact, in the right. first eight games, Stevenson was inact- inactive four times, uh, and then he did pretty well. But if you have no big playability, though, that's also kind of scary, right? I mean, then then they, you could that's you could have a bad year. Just, but yeah. Anyway, uh, all right, that's stat number two. Stat number three is about Travis Kelsey. This is how much better he has been than tight end five in the last, really, the last four seasons, the Mahomes era. Uh, in non-PPR, Travis Kelsey has been 57 or more fantasy points better than tight end five in three of the last four years. In half PPR, 75 or more fantasy points better than tight end five in three of the last four seasons. And in full PPR, he has been 84 points better or more than tight end five in two of the la- in three of the last four seasons. And he's been 103 fantasy points better than tight end five in two of the last four seasons. It is, I mean, an enormous gap. And he wasn't even tight end one last year, by the way. And Mark Andrews was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this... I don't know what this means, Dave, because obviously there is a big five at tight end with Kittle, Waller, and Pitts in that second tier. Uh, but Kelsey has been worlds better than tight end five uh, for three of the last four years. It's why people take him in round one or the maybe early round two this year. There's absolutely no reason to think that He's going to completely fall off a cliff. Oh, man, so close. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Dave's levels just completely fell off a cliff. <laughs> oh no, Dave. Dave, don't leave. No. Oh man. Dave, see if you can fix it. Oh, what a bum. Dave, I think you're good now. Come back. Come back. You're good. Come back. Try again. Try again, Dave. <laughs> I think Dave is is leaving the building. Uh, Jamie. Just work from home. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Well, he's got this beautiful studio. Should be able to use it. We're working on it. We thought we made some progress. We, we did make some progress. We'll get it fixed. That's all, We're in off-season form. Uh, anyway, you know, anything to add to, anything to say to this? Uh, I mean, look, at, at some point, Kelsey's unfortunately going to have uh, down season that's going to start to signal the point where he's slowing down. I don't think that happens this year, but you know, you never know. And so, you know, you're going to hear differing opinions on this show. Uh, I know Heath likes Mark Andrews ahead of Kelsey. They're basically back to back for me in terms of when you're taking them overall. We had this conversation when we were reviewing the mock draft that, you know, if you get to the back end of round one and they're both still there and you want to, you know, try and guarantee yourself that player that you like, Kelsey or Andrews, knowing that there's probably four or five players you're going to get on the turn. Then you take the tight end and you just, you know, don't worry about it. But, um, you know, I, I think you just look at these two guys, those two in particular, Kelsey in particular, you know, no more Tyree Kill. And you're asking Patrick Mahomes to have to rely on essentially three new guys, assuming Miko Hardman gets, you know, pushed to the side of Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Where is he going to go when he needs a key play? Probably Travis Kelsey. Who's going to be, you know, in some of those prime spots, those targets that we love? Travis Kelsey, you know, so he's... As long as he stays on the field, you're going to get superstar quality production at that position that you're not going to find probably matched anywhere else unless Andrews does what he did last year again. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about more negative stats. Wow, really just a very negative show. And, uh, <laughs> and Tomorrow you're crapping on running backs. Thursday, yeah. hopefully it'll be nice to the tight ends. Yeah, very negative. Gosh, you know, you think I'd be happy with my Florida Panthers advancing, but um, all right, we... Uh, and the Yankees, by the way, are amazing. We will take a break. I have a funny Yankee story for you in a second. Oh, looking forward to that. Yankee story right after this on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, Jamie, let's go Yankees. So uh, one of my middle son, Eli, his best friend, 
uh, friends is a huge Yankees fan. He wears number 99 for Aaron Judge, uh, lives and dies with the Yankees. Um, father's a huge Yankees fan from uh, the Northeast. Um, transplant down to Florida. Maybe you've heard that before. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so they're on the same travel baseball team together. And we won, uh, my son's team won um, their age group travel championship, whatever. I, I don't know what the exact definite, uh, the league or whatever they call it because travel is so weird, but, um, they won their championship and they won 15, nothing, uh, to win the championship game. So my buddy just texted me, said, yeah, uh, his son, Grayson got a letter from Brian Cashman congratulating him on winning the championship. And he sent a picture of the letter. Uh, it was one of his neighbors <laughs> wrote a letter to his son, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Cashman. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yes. That's really funny. Oh man, I gotta start doing stuff like that. That's that is good stuff. Yeah. Uh, did you see the? It was a couple of weeks ago. The kid who who caught the Aaron Judge. Or the, yeah, no, the Blue Jays. Yeah, how great. cool was that? That yeah. was a great moment. All right, Joe Burrow in his last twelve games, including the postseason, he scored more than nineteen fantasy points and six point per passing touchdown leagues only five times in his last twelve games. He scored more than twenty five fantasy points only twice. Twenty five is good, but. You know, the elite quarterbacks, they're going to do that. They're going to score more than 25 points more than two times in their last 12 games. Those two games, of course, were those massive games combined for 88 fantasy points against the Ravens and the Chiefs in weeks 16 and 17. But he he really was not that good in the second half. And then he really wasn't good for fantasy in the playoffs. He just he didn't throw enough touchdowns. So, again, in his last 12 games, Joe Burrow threw, uh, scored more than 19 fantasy points in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues only five times. That includes four postseason games. What do you think? Are we getting too excited about Joe Burrow, given the kind of weak finish? I mean, probably so. You know, there's, there's going to be some recency bias because they played in the Super Bowl, and he was, you know, while the stats weren't eye-popping, the play at times was. Um, the hope clearly is that better protection leads to better numbers for him. And they, you know, changed three fifths of their offensive line with Lyle Collins and Alex Kappa. Uh, I'm sorry. With yep. Kappa and Karras. Kappa, Karras and Collins. Yep. yep. Kappa, Karras, Collins. Yes. Um, <laughs> like a fraternity. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so if he's better protected and we know he was, you know, beyond beat up in that Titans game, even though they won, uh, that, He's going to be able to connect better with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd with, you know, arguably the best receiving core in the NFL. You factor in Joe Mixon, too. And so, you know, I think if you just keep things in perspective with Joe Burrow, you know, the fact that we saw him in some of those drafts, I think it was the NFC drafts, he was going as the top four quarterback. Right. That, to me, is a little bit too risky. You know, if you tell me he's going as a top ten quarterback, it's hard to argue when you start to compare him to, you know, still Jalen Hurts with all the upside. I would take Hurts, but I get it. Um, Matthew Stafford and what he did last year. Uh, Dak Prescott and some concerns over, you know, not having Mari Cooper, obviously Deshaun Watson with the potential suspension. So the guys that he's being drafted around in that regard, you know, I think you could certainly argue pro and con uh, that he should be going ahead or behind some of those guys, but he's in that range. And so number one quarterback, yes. Top 10 potential, yes. Top five potential, probably not, unless really things change uh, for him in a big way. And the Baltimore defense will be better. The Steelers defense will still be very good. That's, Brown's defense should be good. Hey, so. that's I got to stop you there. You don't think he has top five potential? Because I was going to say, I was going to ask you if you thought he had QB1 potential. Obviously, the answer there is no. Um, I think there would have to be some guys getting hurt for him to have top five potential. And the offense would have to change. You know, maybe a mix and injury, defense, you know, struggles. 
the volume would have to change your mind. I mean, Heath talks about this all the time. He was so efficient last I year. I can't wait to, to argue with Heath about this, though, because he was so efficient, Joe Burrow. He basically was the best passer. Just He led the NFL in completion percentage, third in touchdown rate, first in yards per attempt, second in yards per completion, third in yards per game, second in passer rating. He's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he may not, probably not going to do that again. But if you look at the playoffs, he averaged 36 pass attempts per game in the playoffs. Um, I've talked about this a lot. There was a point in the season where they said, we're taking the reins off. They protected him. They acknowledged they protected him because of the ACL. They were much more run heavy. They got more aggressive. He started throwing the ball more. And that included those two games where he scored 40, he averaged 44 fantasy points. And then it included the playoffs. Now the results weren't great for fantasy, but 36 pass attempts per game, that's what he averaged in the four playoff games. And then you throw in the last two games of the season, it's even more than that. Uh, the regular season, but it just, you take 36 per game. That's that would have been ninth best last year. So I definitely think he's throwing more. I definitely think he's running more. He only ran for like 130 yards. He was on pace for a hundred and no, he's on pace for 125 rushing yards in 17 games. I think that could be more like 250. I think he could double that. That's based on what he did as a rookie. That's based on what he did in college where he was rushing for 350 yards, two straight seasons right around there. Um, so that's not, he's not going to like win you your league with his rushing, but he can be better there. Uh, I think he throws more runs more, has a better year. I definitely think he has top five potential. Yeah. I guess that's not fair for me to say he doesn't have top five potential, but I guess if everything breaks right for the guys, I'll just go my rankings. Kyler Murray has his, let's say best season for both these guys, his best season, Burrow's best season. Who's a better fantasy quarterback? Probably. I mean, if, if Hopkins, I think kind of depends on Hopkins. I don't think Murray has that same up, upside if he doesn't have a true. But he's going to run one. so much more than Burrow. He is, I know. Um, I mean, I'll say I'll say Murray. I'll say Murray. Lamar Jackson or Jackson. Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. Mahomes. We know Herbert. You're going to say Herbert. You're going to say Josh Allen. You're going to say probably Brady. 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 Jalen Hurts. Probably. So I mean, again, you know. I don't we think know he has, they're not all going to have their best season. I don't think he has the fifth most upside, but I do think he has top five upside. Does that make yeah, sense? No, I, I, that, I guess I was just saying it differently again. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could certainly finish in the top five, but I think if everybody stays healthy and plays their best games, he plays his best game, he'll fall, you know, QB8. Right. This, again, if, if things are in perspective, he's being drafted as a top four quarterback, bust. He's being drafted as the number eight quarterback, that's good value. Anything lower than that is great value. All right, uh, Dalvin Cook and Mike Williams were two players who had a lot of opportunities to score more, and they didn't do it. Dalvin Cook had 12 carries for two yards and three touchdowns inside the five-yard line. Again, inside the five. 12 carries, gained two yards, and scored three touchdowns. There were 10 players who had 12 to 14 carries inside the five-yard line. Cook was the only one with fewer than five touchdowns. There were only two players who scored fewer than six touchdowns. He and Antonio Gibson. Gibson had five. Cook had three. So this is a guy who finished per game number eight in non-PPR, number 11 in full PPR, but he only scored six touchdowns in 13 games, but he got the opportunities. And I wonder, we saw him in our last draft, Dalvin Cook went 13th to Dave. I wonder if he had scored 10 touchdowns, if he would be going, you know, seventh or something like that. Um, you know, any any reaction to this stat, Dalvin Cook, very inefficient inside the five-yard line last year, which probably just a luck thing. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, clearly, you know, very frustrating season for the Vikings, uh, which is why they have a new coach, which is why I'm excited about Minnesota. I mean, I think you've heard me say multiple times, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and 
you know, Dalvin Cook, and we did um, some superlatives on fantasy football today on CBS Sports HQ on Friday when we were going over the schedule. And we were asked by our producer, Jack Capitorto, to list leading rusher, leading receiver, et cetera. And I said, Dalvin Cook to me is uh, a candidate to lead the NFL in rushing. Um, I think the touchdowns will come up. I think his receiving numbers will come up. You know, clearly the fear is, is health. And he's, you know, getting to that age, 27, where you have to be a little bit concerned, you know, uh, especially with his history. You know, could he suffer a, a significant breakdown? It's why I'll stay in the same breath. I'm going to draft a lot of Alexander Madison as well. Uh, but I think Dalvin Cook could be RB1 this year. I think mm-hmm. he has that type of upside. We've seen it from him before. And so he could be a 15-touchdown guy. He could be a 2,000-total-yard guy. He has that potential now with a more offensive-minded play caller, a more offensive-minded head coach, and what the play calling will be. So um, getting him after, I think, the eighth overall pick is a pretty good bargain. So where Dave drafted him, which was when he took him at the 12-13 turn, uh, with Joe Mixon, or the one to turn, excuse me, uh, 12 13 pick. Um, I like Dalvin better than Kamara now, based on some of the moves that have happened for the Saints. I still like him better than Mixon. Um, he's behind Najee and Derrick Henry for me, but he's right there. Um, how about, uh, Eckler, how about Jefferson? How about Jefferson and Chase? So it just depends format. Uh, non and half PPR, I would take the running back. Full PPR, I take the receiver just because I think there's more upside there. Um, you know, it's just smarter, I think, at this point to take those guys. I would take, I'm sorry, I'd take Dalvin over Chase. I would take the two top receivers for me, which are Cup and Jefferson over Dalvin. Okay. All right. Mike Williams. Mike Williams was a top 17 wide receivers, 13th per game in non PPR, 17th per game in full PPR. And for the season, he was 12th and non and 14th in full PPR, but he was. Not even a top 40 wide receiver, I think, after the first five games. Uh, but the stat is similar to Dalvin Cook. He had 12 targets inside the 10-yard line, which is which is a lot. Keenan Allen also had 12 targets. Let's compare how they did. Mike Williams had three catches for 12 yards and two touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. Keenan Allen had eight catches, 44 yards, and six touchdowns. So both had 12 targets. Mike Williams turned it into 12 yards and two touchdowns. Keenan Allen turned it into 44 yards and six touchdowns. That was from inside the 10. It is really bad. And when you look at the players who had this kind of a similar amount of, of targets, green zone targets, targets inside the 10-yard line, the ones who did poorly with those targets were Marvin Jones, A.J. Green, Randall Cobb, and Mike Williams. The ones who did well were Diggs, Adams, Renfro, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Mark Andrews. So, I mean, there's a clear delineation there between the, the great players and, and, the, and have Marvin Jones, A.J. Green's, Randall Cobb. And then there's Mike Williams. Like, he he's in that second group with Marvin Jones, A.J. Green, and Randall Cobb. But it's scary. But at the same time, my God, if that's just bad luck, the opportunity is there. That's why, for me, he's one of the toughest players, Jamie, because I, I, I think he, he was such a letdown after that hot start. But he had so many chances, and I love number two receivers in a great offense. So I, this is actually a really important stat for me. I want to know what you think of it. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a great one, and I, I think he's kind of the bridge receiver to that group because you know you look at the guys that you mentioned: Diggs, Adams, Keenan Allen. You know, we know where they're draft, we're drafting those guys. Mike Evans, they're you know second round picks uh, in some cases, first round picks, and Mike Williams is not. But I think you know 
to me, Williams is somebody that if you put in the right perspective, you're going to be thrilled to have him on your fantasy team. If you're drafting him in a two receiver league to be a starter, I think that's probably a little bit of an overreach because there's going to be some great games and there's going to be some frustrating ones. And so you're, you're going to get, get to a point in the season as we got past that, that early point when he was just a rock star and he probably sat on a few people's benches uh, during that stretch. And then you started him and he was killing you and you put him on the bench again and then he had a big game and he you know, just didn't never know never knew when to play him. Three receiver leagues, he's obviously going to be a starter because you just have to take your chances with that type of upside. So um, he's uh, just outside the top 24 for me. So he's a number three receiver, but somebody that I would consider is always around five. You know, I think if you go one running back and three receivers and, you know, factoring in maybe a quarterback or tight end in there as well, um, you're going to be happy to take him as a number two receiver potentially. But I would prefer him as a number three guy, you know, and just hope that some of these things that he puts it all together over the course of the season. I don't know if he's going to be a hundred catch guy, but, you know, 75 to 85 catches last year at 76. You know, that's certainly well within the range of possibility. He, we know he's got 1,500 yard potential. You know, I think you probably want to ballpark it. A, a good season for him is probably 1,200 yards, but that's nothing to sneeze at. And then he's got a 10 touchdown season on his resume already. You know, so if he gets that again. Yeah, he had nine last year. Right. He had nine last year. He missed one right. game. Yeah. Um, right. And, and he could have had so many more touchdowns. He could have had a 12, 13 touchdown season if he hadn't been so bad. With those goal line and short area, you know, clear, close to the goal line targets, and we can remember them. There's like a a follies clip of him just <laughs> dropping passes near the goal line, having it knocked out of his hands. If that's just fluky and it's bad luck, and he continues to get those targets, then then I'm going to look silly for not drafting him earlier. I but, think the thing yeah. you look at is, uh, you know, Keenan Allen's going to get his, but Keenan Allen's getting older, right? Um, they didn't bring in anybody significant. Gerald Everett. You know, is he that much of an upgrade over Jared Cook? I hope he is, but is he? Uh, the running game, you know, Isaiah Spiller, is he going to get more chances in whatever capacity along with Austin Eckler? Because I don't think Eckler's coming off the field for significant stretches. And so the Chargers told you what they think of him. You know, they weren't ready to turn it over to Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. They want him to be their number two guy by the contract that they gave him, right. you know, by keeping him around. So... There's a lot to love about Mike Williams as Justin Herbert just continues to get better, but there's just going to be some frustrating and maddening times. He's just that type of player. All right, the last stat, I don't know if you want to talk about this again. I wanted to get another perspective on here. Unfortunately, not going to happen today, but David Bell, I, I said this almost an hour into the show last time we spoke on Thursday, but David Bell, Cleveland's rookie wide receiver, had an FBS high 67 catches on shallow or crossing routes since 2019. That's according to ESPN Stats and Information. So I know you like David Bell to kind of step in there and play that role, short area target guy for the Browns. And he's good I at do. It. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, you're, you're talking about a receiving core that's Amari Cooper, David Njoku for what it's worth, and some unknowns. Like, we're excited about the potential of Donovan Peoples-Jones as the number two guy, Anthony Schwartz, you know, competing for that opportunity as well. Uh, but David Bell should end up winning the slot role for them. And if he does... You know, Deshaun Watson connecting with him in Kevin Stefanski's offense should be a good situation. Now, I don't know if he's going to, as I said, you know, when we when we first brought him up following the NFL draft that, you know, you asked who's going to lead rookies in receptions. I don't think he's going to do that, but, you know, just trying to be some, give you somebody different. But there's a lot to like about him. And so in redraft leagues, you know, one of your last round picks, certainly in PPR, I would, I would keep his name, you know, in, in the forefront of your mind. In rookie-only drafts for dynasty leagues, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily a second-round pick. I think he's in the conversation, but certainly early to mid-third round, 
Um, he's got much more upside than that. And I think when we look back on rookie drafts, why didn't I take him in the second round? You know, he's going to be, I think, one of those receivers. So um, I like his opportunity. I like his situation. Clearly, if Deshaun Watson's not suspended, that's going to sway how he performs most likely. But there's a, there's a good opportunity here, especially if Nadoku continues to be sort of this guy that doesn't play consistently week in, week out, produce consistently week in, week out. And, you know, Amari Cooper does his thing, but the other guys don't step up. He can be the number two receiver for the Cleveland offense. All right, that's David Bell, and those are some quirky stats from 2021 and even before that with David Bell. That might matter in 2022. Let's read your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is from Juan. Which offense do you believe collapses this year? I had Tennessee last year, and I was right, but had a rough first five weeks because of Derrick Henry, LOL. And which offense takes that huge step forward like the Bengals? So which offense collapses? Which one takes a huge step forward? I mean, the offenses that could collapse, I think you could look at San Francisco, you know, if Trey Lance is bad or it's a combination of Jimmy Garoppolo still playing and Lance coming in and out and, you know, the loss of Mike McDaniel. So there, there's some things there that you could see, you know, if Debo doesn't have the same type of production as a rusher, um, that's one just because it's a quarterback change. Uh, Arizona, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts right now. You know, if Connor gets hurt, can the backfield still be sustainable? You know, I mean, we're, we're, we'll, we'll say as of now, you know, Benjamin or or Ingram, uh, the rookie that they drafted, but are those guys going to be what Connor was when Edmonds got hurt or vice versa? Um, no Hopkins, you know, we're asking, you know, Marquise Brown to be that guy. He, he's certainly shown that he can be, but if he's not, and Kyler, you know, falls apart. So there's there's some, you know, flaws there. So those are two that, that come to mind. Obviously Seattle right now um, could crater, you know, with the yeah. quarterback situation. Um, the ones that take a step forward, I think you look at the Dolphins and the Jets, you know, those two in particular, you know, Miami clearly getting a, a significant overhaul from coach to offensive line to receivers and backfield. So there's, there's a, a lot to like about what's going on there. Um, and then the Jets, you know, they just added Garrett Wilson. They add Brees Hall, you know, two high profile rookies that could, you know, clearly make things a lot better for Zach Wilson and, and everybody else not named Michael Carter. So there's a lot to like about that Jets offense too. Yep. And Broncos, obviously, you know, that's more right. Like, I think Jaguars and Bears. You're hoping for that second year bust out. And I throw the Niners in there, but they were already a good offense. But you're hoping for that second year quarterback. Right. Raiders get better. Raiders are going to get better. Sure. Okay. Next email is from Nick. Dynasty question. My dynasty team is in full rebuild mode. I'm surprisingly good at both quarterback and tight end. But at running back, I have literally no one worth mentioning. And at wide receiver, I have an okay core to start building around of A.J. Brown, Rashad Bateman, and Hunter Renfro. Right, so he's good at quarterback. He's good at tight end. He's okay at, t- at wide receiver. He's got A.J. Brown. He's got bad running backs. So Nick has 101 and 103 this year. Do I do the obvious thing and take Brees Hall and a wide receiver? Or do I lock up two stud wide, re- wide receiver prospects instead? In doing so, I get another early pick next year since I'll have no running back to play this year. And I'll have a pretty good wide receiver core, a young wide receiver core. So he's basically tanking if he does that, in his mind anyway. I think you have to take Brees Hall um, unless you want to trade out and see if you can get multiple picks in the first round. Or not multiple picks in the first round, but you know maybe another first-round pick, you know, so you're you know swapping with that particular manager and then maybe another player that can give you some significant production moving forward, you know, so some receiver. Uh, but you could be in the weird spot of Ken Walker staring you in the face again at three. And then you just, you know, sort of trying to rebuild your running back core that way. Um, mm, I don't think I'd do that. I wouldn't do that either. I, I would, I would just 
thrown out there, but I would probably go Brees Hall and whichever receiver you like, assuming Drake London goes too, you still get, you know, hopefully a, a pretty good running back prospect. I, I don't know where Brees Hall will stack up following this year, comparing him to the class next year. Um, but I think, you know, if you're Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, you know, I don't know if you want to go both Jets and go Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, but um, you know, Jamison <laughs> Williams, you could certainly go that route and hopefully he, you know, turns into the guy that we saw at Alabama. Um, th- there's a lot of different ways to go about it, you know, but if you're not sold on Brees Hall, then, then trade the one-on-one and see if you can get a young player, hopefully receiver and another pick in the first round or multi- I-, I would probably look for another first round pick player and maybe another pick in the rookie draft. Also. I have a funny question here from the chat. Jamie is your football molding that football above your left shoulder is in bad shape, dude. What is going on there? Yeah, it's a, it's a moldy football. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. It's an old school football my father-in-law found at a thrift store and gave it to me. I never noticed it. Is it getting worse? Oh, it's always been there. Oh, wow. It's pretty pretty bad. Okay, a few more emails here. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is from Steven. I keep her question. I must keep two. I can keep up to three. I, ho- I have two third-round picks, three fourth-round picks, and two sixth-round picks. He's a lot of picks. All right, he's got Justin Jefferson in the second, Josh Allen in the fourth. Remember, he has three fourth-round picks. Travis Etienne in the 13th, and J.K. Dobbins in the 12th. Ooh, all right, so he can keep three. Jefferson in the second, Allen in the fourth, Etienne in the 13th, Dobbins in the 12th. I probably just throw back Allen and keep the other three guys. Um, You know, especially you have so much draft capital, you could draft Allen again maybe in the second round. Or no, you lose the pick. You lose the pick, yeah. But he keeps Jefferson, he loses the second round pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm keeping Jefferson, I'm keeping Dobbins, I'm keeping ETN, and I'll find a quarterback. Okay. It's just hard when you have so many, you know, you have two third-round picks and three fourth-round picks, I'm almost tempted to just keep Josh Allen, get the number one But he guy. may be able to get Allen in the third round. Uh, not with all the keepers, I don't think. But take him in the first round. Why well, take him in the first one? Because well, you, you get the value on ETN. Okay. Uh, from Eric from the Charm City. And just wouldn't keep the quarterback when you have the, the two running back values are just too good. And and clearly you would take Jefferson or Allen. Oh, I'm definitely taking Jefferson. I, I would take Jefferson, Dobbins, and Josh Allen. I would throw back ETN. I don't know what to expect from him. And just because you have so you have three fourth round picks, I don't mind spending one of them to get the number one quarterback. Uh, okay, so Eric from Charm City, which is Baltimore, right? Yes. Hello, Omar, Stinger, Avon, and Marlowe. I believe that is the wire. Yep. 10-team, two-flex, five-keeper, PPR league. I am keeping Javante Williams, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Adams, T. Higgins, and Kyle Pitts. Not bad. I have the second overall pick in our upcoming draft. Should I draft one of the high upside rookies that could be good for a long time, or should I target a proven veteran that can help me win now? It's essentially going to be Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, or Brees Hall versus Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Brandon Cooks, and Darnell Mooney. So of the players that you mentioned, Brees Hall would be my favorite. And you're running. Who was the guy you said first before Barkley? Javante. So you, I mean, you have two guys that certainly have number one upside, but they're Going into the season as number two running backs, I would probably see. I mean, if you get Brees Hall, that's the guy I would take. But Brees Hall could go number one, and if, if that's the caliber of players you're talking about, 
Yeah, Deontay Johnson might be next for you. I'm not sure. Brees Hall, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, rookie wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney. It's hard when you're 50 players in. Yeah. Okay, uh, he also says, P.S., I have been a longtime listener, and recently when Dave's connection dropped out after stating something about 50% of the time, Adam cracked a joke about hearing about 50% of Dave's answer. I've yeah. never heard Jamie laugh as hard as he did. Adam, take this as proof that you are capable of being a really funny guy. Yeah! Thank you. This is from Trevor. Was I laughing at your joke or just that Dave continues to leave the show? 50% of each. Did I, um, I'm not on the show tomorrow. Should I just prepare to jump in halfway through? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to have to have Dave do it from home tomorrow. Uh, from Trevor. Hey, Ryan, Steve, Vince, Marcus, and Jake. Oh, those are definitely Titans quarterbacks. Ryan, Steve, Vince, Marcus, and Jake. 10-team Superflex half PPR, three receivers, two running backs, and two flexes, and a Superflex. So, oh, you already knew that. But anyway, a lot of roster spots there, but it's 10 teams. <laughs> three receivers, two flexes, two running backs, one Superflex. I'm in one. I'm in win-now mode with a good young core. At quarterback, I have Watson, Cousins, Carr, Lawrence, and Mills. Nice. Would you trade Trevor Lawrence for Brees Hall? Ooh. So it's Watson, Lawrence. He has Watson, Cousins, Carr, Lawrence, and Mills. It is super flex. He'd be getting the first pick of the Dynasty draft, which he'd take Brees Hall. I don't think you could trade Trevor Lawrence, though. Might be a bench player for you. Now? Yeah. Yeah, the other option is trade Trevor Lawrence for pick no. For pick one oh nine and a twenty twenty three late first round pick. No. So what do you do? I mean, you don't want to have five quarterbacks here. Trade cousins. Yeah, I, mean, I would or start car. with Carr Cousins, see yeah. if that gets done. Okay. You know, it's a twelve team league? Ten. Okay, so ten team league, so there's more quarterbacks available, but you have five of them. <laughs> you know, so um yeah, does he say what pick he has in the first round? No, actually. I mean, if you really want Brees Hall, you you offer Carr or Cousins and your first round pick for one on one. That's something good. else. Yeah. All right, Jamie. Thank you. Glad my connection held up for you, buddy. <laughs> We're working on it. So we'll talk to you tomorrow, and we'll be talking about. Potential workhorse running backs who are potentially not that good. We'll figure it out. Jamie and I are actually going to talk about it right now on Fantasy Football Today in 5. For some of Dave and Jamie and uh, well, no Ben today either. Wow. Not, not a big crew here. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 